Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources in veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell, as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be made so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, and welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights on all things related to human resources in the veterinary profession. As usual, I'm Mike Pownell and joined uh, by my colleague, Katie Arnoline. Good morning, Katie. Michael, hello. How are things? Just dandy. How about you? Well, good. Well, hopefully they stay dandy. We have a bit of a, a heavy subject. Mm-hmm. We have talked a lot about performance review and dealing with the great performer, but has some quirks, let's say. But what happens when we get to the point when we have to think about terminating somebody from their position? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm surprised it's taken us this long to come to it because this is often the question people ask us about how to do it, or they give us a lot of reasons why they can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'd say an equal measure, that's for sure. Exactly. Well, and I think people are often sort of confused about how or unsure about how to go down the road of perhaps trying to fix somebody's performance, but also, you know, when the time comes to actually terminate somebody, they're sort of at at loose ends and unsure about how to do it correctly. And depending on where you're located, whether you're in Canada or the States, you know, matter sort of what the rules are, you know, there is there are certain things that you need to be able to show if you've terminated somebody and they come back at you for trying to sue you for wrongful dismissal or something like that. So it's a bit of a a tricky roadmap to follow, but hopefully we'll be able to give folks a bit of uh, insight and some thoughts here on how to do it. You and I have done this enough. And it's one of those things like got some experience in it, not happy that I have the experience, Mm -hmm. but hopefully some of what we have learned, we can pass along. And if I think back, uh, going back years ago, and just some ham-fisted ways I handled employee termination, was, eesh, I, I really cringe mm-hmm. at it. So I think we're in a better place. And I think the reason why is what you're going to be talking about. So I'll pass it over to you. Love it. Okay. So just uh, we thought we'd sort of go on a little bit of a journey here and talk a little bit about the concept of progressive discipline, which you may be familiar from your employee handbook if you have one. It's sort of the traditional way of thinking about how to mete out discipline for people. So just in case you're not familiar, basically progressive discipline is when somebody violates a policy or procedure, uh, the discipline is sort of doled out in a progressive way. So it might start with verbal warning, and then it might escalate to a written warning, and then somebody might get suspended, and from there, uh, somebody could be terminated. So it's quite punitive, and it's sort of, it's one way. It's, you did this, and this is going to be the consequence. And it's interesting when I was thinking about this topic, I think there are some basic things 
obviously, if somebody is in gross breach of your policy, or there's something that they've done that's criminal in nature, you know, stealing or, or whatever the case may be, obviously, you can skip ahead. And those are just cause type uh, scenarios for termination. But on the other side of that, there's a whole sort of spectrum of things. And I was thinking about how in depth do you want to get with somebody who is a serial shows up to work on a late 10 or 15 minutes late on a regular basis. And I was like, well, that's kind of like a employment hygiene thing. Like you just know you're supposed to show up and be on time. So I would think to myself, okay, well, this is definitely like a candidate for progressive discipline. But what, you know, a sort of more constructive way is to figure out why the person is late and have them tell you why they're late and tell you what they're going to do to fix it. So I'm skipping ahead of myself a little bit here, but I think that we just need to make sure that people understand that absolutely, you know, if somebody gets into one of your practice vehicles, if you're an ambulatory vet and they're under the influence of alcohol and something happens, obviously you would think that that would be a fireable offense. But sometimes it can be a little more uh, shades of gray when we're talking about this. And not everything is appropriately dealt with by this progressive discipline type thought. And I think, you know, some of the things that are uh, not great about progressive discipline is it can really be, depending on how big your organization is, if you're deciding how serious an infraction is, and then your partner, you know, if you're in a, a multi-vet practice, your, your partner, owner partner might have a different idea and your manager has a different idea. So it can be hard to be even across the board about trying to scale the level of punishment, so to speak, to the actual crime. So that's one thing that can be a pickle about progressive discipline. And it's really, it's punitive. I mean, I was reading one article that talked about when you you tell a child not to do something and you punish them for it, uh, chances are that they're going to do it again because they don't necessarily connect their thought process to what their action is. Uh, and this is kind of the case too for progressive discipline. And really, if we're coming down on people, we're being punitive, eventually they might get bitter, they might disengage, and it's it can be really harmful for your business. So Katie, just I just want to yeah. clarify to make sure everybody's on the same page as progressive discipline. So that's the, oh, you've got a written warning, and, yep. and if you're going to do it again, well, maybe there's going to be some kind of penalty, and it's maybe three strikes, you're out. So it's, it's really that tracking and the sort of check mark in your in your record and basically totally. why people like progressive this system is that it builds up and it and it's the system that covers your butt legally well and i think yeah i think and i think that's important i mean being able to show that the person received warnings the person you know was shown what the policy is and they agreed that they understood what it was this is all stuff that sort of is a cya cover your ass type of thing uh, and absolutely, I mean, that is incredibly important, but it's not necessarily appropriate for all levels of mm -hmm. behavior. And uh, it can be difficult to sort of uh, know what the best way to deal with something is. There is certainly a place for this progressive discipline, but when we're trying to help people develop and we're trying to have our eyes wide open as practice owners and as managers, and, you know, have that self-awareness to say, well, is there something that the company failed to provide to this person that led to this behavior? This is where we get into the idea of more of like a uh, performance coaching instead of performance management and that three strikes you're out type of idea. 
it's funny because I was thinking of the spectrum of discipline that I've heard of. And I, I worked with one manager who had a really elaborate system of if you're late, you get negative five points. And if you do this, you get positive 10 points. It reminded me of like grade five middle school French class where we had a teacher who would like put a, a your name on the board with a strike beside it if you did if you mouthed off or did something naughty. You know, I think that that's a bit it just seems really childish type of thing to be doing to adults. That's sort of one end of the spectrum. And I think the other end of the spectrum is this idea of performance coaching. The basic belief of performance coaching and where you're sort of coming from with this, and it might be a mind shift for people, is that you really have to believe that people are going to get better. You know, you have to have that benefit of the doubt sort of mindset, which can be difficult if you've sort of just dealt with black or white for a really long time. Basically, what performance coaching is, is having a, it's still a formal conversation about why the behavior occurred or why the policy was violated, but it really involves the other side. It's a conversation. You know, it's like the coaching that we've talked about before, other types of performance management. You need to involve the employee and, you know, talk to them, have them explain why the behavior has occurred and be curious and ask questions. For example, if somebody's late all the time, and, you know, you've said to them, you can't be late, you can't be late, but it persists. You need to figure out, is this like a motivational issue? Do they really just not care? Or is there something else going on? Is there a childcare issue? Or uh, do they have to take care of an aging parent before they leave the house? And that's not an exact science on their end. So it's more understanding why the behavior is occurring. And really coming together and, and coming up with a solution together about expectations for future behavior. And while you're doing that, considering is there a process flaw in what you are doing as a company as well? Beyond the example of somebody who's late, if somebody makes frequent mistakes and it's sort of the same mistake, it's more looking beyond this person's an idiot and they just keep making the same mistake, but saying, okay, was there actually an issue with our process here that is causing them to make a mistake? So it's sort of a more holistic way of looking at it, considering if there's that flaw in the process. But I think that the biggest thing about the performance coaching is having that collaborative mindset and saying, okay, we're going to work together to solve this issue. And I think still, there's still a place for saying, like, we need to still be clear here that a change needs to happen, or there could be unwanted employment outcomes that come out of this people are relatively intelligent and they can understand what that means. But it's not necessarily performance coaching isn't, well, this person's going to get away with this forever. It's still setting expectations and setting up somebody up to be accountable for their behavior. Beyond saying, if you're late one more time, you're fired, uh, saying, okay, well, you know, we agreed that we are going to work together to solve this issue. And then when you talk to them about it, if it happens again, you can say, okay, well, what's happened here? We talked about it, we came up together with an idea for an, an outcome or what we're going to do, and you didn't follow it. So where do we go from here? And I think that that's like a lot more of an adult way to deal with this than to deal with the three strikes and you're out type of mindset. I'm so glad you brought the, this article up or th this concept because we used to do progressive discipline. Mm -hmm. I hated it. And I always felt there's something not right about this. And you put yourself in the shoes of the employee that you're, you're doing this with. All you're doing is training the person to be suspicious. Yeah, or sneaky. And wary. And how can you do great work when you're just saying, oh my God, if I have one more strike against me, I'm done. Mm -hmm. You can't do good work. You're setting a person up to fail. Absolutely.
and it, as you said, it, it, it becomes like in the absence of a discussion amongst two adults, it's very, I guess it's just a structure to say, we'll try to make this as objective as possible, but nothing's objective. Mm-hmm. So they're late uh, twice because of the first time is they, they slept in. Okay, not a great excuse. Second time, the car broke down. Third time, well, that's it. You're going to fire them. But what they had to take care of their kid was sick or, you know, as you in the example of help, taking care of an elder. And then you just say, okay, I, I'm not going to do it then. And so, well, then what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of example does that show for the people, the, the co-workers? Exactly. Yeah. So we have other people in the organization is just like, well, their person is always late. And they never do anything about it. I hated the system. And I always felt like we're not setting up people for success. It's a convenient way. And then, then, you know, then you're like, okay, if you're, if you're good for a year, then we'll take, we'll, we'll start fresh. And so the whole mm-hmm. time is, is that you're creating this culture of suspicion of, and I, I guess what it is, is instead of a, a culture of let's be successful together, it's a culture of being very punitive and we're finding ways to put black axes against you. It's just not what you want totally. in a good business. So I was so happy to read that my thoughts were not alone, that this is a really crummy way of, of, of managing people. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody and you've had this adult conversation with them and they just continue to sort of be late or, you know, something, like I said earlier, those sort of basic being an adult and having a job hygiene type factors, like they're late or they don't call when they're not going to be there or something like that. I'm kind of a little less lenient in those types of situations because it's like, okay, well, I can't just let this person take advantage of me. If you can't be an adult and you can't show up and you don't have the best excuses. And I mean, we have all dealt with those people who are chronically late and it's always a different excuse. And it's like, okay, well, what's really going on here? And you've tried to have the adult conversation and it still happens. Then I think there's still a place for thinking about terminating that person or having other consequences. So I just want to be clear that we're not saying everybody should be able to get away with everything and we'll just talk, Mm -hmm. hug it out. (laughs) It's definitely not what I'm saying. Uh, But in trying to have a a more collaborative culture and trying to be um, supportive of our staff and do all of those things that we've been talking about for a year about, you know, having a, a culture where your employees are engaged and they feel like the company cares about them. We have to uh, at least uh, entertain giving them a voice and having them explain what's happening. The interesting thing is if, you know, if people all of a sudden understand, well, actually I have to be accountable for this, their behavior might change. Mm-hmm there's a difference between, you know, just sitting there and taking your lumps and saying, okay, well, sign off on this letter that says this is your second strike versus I'm going to sit here like an adult and talk to you about why this is happening. It might be more of a deterrent to them to have to explain. Yeah, It it works quite well that way. And I think the other thing is too, is, I mean, this is why we have probationary periods when we hire somebody. So if we have somebody and they're always late or there's just something, they just can't get the job. Well, you know what? You have the probationary period. You're just like, you know what? This is not working out. Sorry. And you're done. Mm-hmm. It's the rare person. And I mean, I, I can't be, it has to be so rare that is like, I'm going to wait for the end of my probation period. And then I'm really going to start having bad behavior. Yeah. Like, no, it just doesn't work. It's kind of diabolical. It's just like, if that's yeah. what you believe, I think you just sort of got to reevaluate how you deal with mankind and period. Cause that's just, mm. Or you've got a really horrible hiring process. Yes, I think that's a key. 
you know, not checking in. And we, we've talked about, have we talked about onboarding, but making sure that we are actually actively engaging with somebody in their first three months or whatever the, the probationary period is where you are and really, you know, getting feedback and getting feedback from them, getting feedback from their peers and giving them feedback in that three months. So you're not sort of at like two months and three weeks. And all of a sudden you have to do all yeah. this scrambling. It should be right yeah. away the first week, the first, after the first couple of weeks, it should be ongoing. And we've talked about the nature of having conversation about performance instead of just, you know, yearly performance review. And this is exactly what we're talking about. So it's all sort of comes full circle. One of the attractions I would say people would have with the progressive system is, is that it removes somebody, the manager, the leader, the veterinarian of the practice from having to be actually engaged. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, this is our system, and you didn't fill up to our system, which I can see the attraction of that to people because it's it's a scaffolding, it's a structure that you can work with that seems to be objective. But I think what you're talking about, having these conversations, having these engagements, it's a little bit more work, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think That's ultimately, true. it's much more satisfying, and it really sets a great example for the culture of your business than this somebody like you know i just think of my school teacher from grade five just like were you absent were you late and it's just like i'm not five anymore yeah exactly no i think that's a really good point and you know seeing some spectacular turnarounds of behavior too when you actually reach out and the person maybe hasn't taken that step and saying actually yeah i need help yeah. but you sort of have them okay we're going to sit down we're going to talk about this and they're like oh my god i'm not going to get fired i can actually just say that i don't know or i need more help or i need more support I can think of examples from your business and from other folks that we've worked with where you have that conversation and you start that conversation and it's like, they're a totally different person. Yeah. Like you said, we have to take some of the responsibility for taking the time and investing our time in our staff for sure. That said, <laughs> that said, sometimes there are people that need to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Moving on to another article, and I, I will put all the articles up that we sort of got inspiration from. We haven't mentioned them, but this is an Inc. article from Inc.com. Uh, really, really good about five reasons business owners don't fire bad employees and five bigger reasons why they're wrong. So this is going to sound extremely familiar to a lot of people, and I have to admit that I have fallen into some of these traps myself before. Uh, particularly when we're in a super tight labor market, and we're like, well, a warm body is better than no body. That's not always the case. Uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to go through Absolutely. some of these reasons and see if any of them sound familiar to you, yeah. Mike, or, or to me yeah. as well. So, you know, let's say we've gone through, we've had our discussions and, you know, staff, other staff are still coming in and saying, hey, this person is super disruptive and they're not doing their job and blah, blah, blah. And so you may have one or many of these excuses. So the first one that this article mentions is that there's no time to find and train a replacement. Yep. And I think this one really resonates right now in vet medicine, huge. I mean, it's hard to find anybody, much less try and re- replace somebody, particularly when we have a smaller staff as it is. But it's funny how this can be the case and you sort of pull the trigger and you take the, maybe that's not the best analogy, but uh, you take the step and you terminate that employee. And sometimes you find that the staff like, oh my God, it's so much easier without that person there. Even though you're down a body, they were so disruptive that it's it's made everything better. And, you know, it can be, 
even just sort of a boost that management's on our side and and they understand what we're going through and they've taken a step to take care of things. So that idea of not having uh, time, I think is, I understand 100%, but uh, in the long run, it's sometimes it's best to just cut bait. I've had that situation so often where people have come afterwards like, yeah, what a relief. We had to do put up with so much. The strain on all of us having to deal with this person, actually, we're going to be more efficient and effective without this person here. So thank you. Absolutely. So the second one uh, is the employee is a nice person, which makes firing them difficult. Uh, and I think that this is a, a really valid one as well. You could have a nice person who's just not good at the job. And that's just the way it is. And you're holding on to them and maybe they get along well with everybody. But when push comes to shove and, you know, we're sort of in the frying pan, they let people down. Sometimes these people know that they are ineffective. I know this is trite to say, but it can sometimes be a relief to have somebody say, okay, this isn't right for you and you need to move on to another job. Maybe they haven't been able to say it to themselves. But that the, having that nice person that you don't want to fire uh, it's so difficult. You know, so often we say, I hear people say when we do employee engagement surveys, I really like this person as a person, but, and then there's all the reasons why they're ineffective at work. And I think that it can be hard to separate, put on your sort of business goggles and think, okay, this isn't a personal decision. This is a business decision and move on from there. It's even worse when they're a single mom or they're the primary yes. caregiver yeah. of a household or the, or the income earner. You're like, oh, if I do this, it's going to not just affect this person, but others. And yeah, I've been in those situations and that that's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, eventually that erodes how the rest of the staff are feeling. So it's uh, it can be difficult. No, I'm not saying that was an excuse. I mean, it's just... it's. Mm. Yes, that's where you got to put on your business person's outfit. Uh, conflict avoidance is the third one. I mean, obviously, you know, we just talked about it, how it's difficult to find the time and find the mental energy to come up with the impetus to have these conversations. But I find that, you know, the more you let something go and the more you put something off, the worse it gets and the harder it becomes. So it's kind of thinking, okay, well, even, you know, in the meeting, I don't want this person to yell at me when I fire them. It's like, well, have somebody else in there and it'll be over within, you know, five or 10 minutes, just putting it together and, and making it happen. And if you're not the right person to do it, have somebody else in there that can do the talking and you're just sort of there as a representative of the owner of the company or whatever, you know, whatever your position is, but conflict avoidance is. You bring up a good point and I was going to talk about this later, but might as well talk about it now is I think it's always helpful to have a third person in the room mm. mm-hmm. because you don't want to get into a position of she said, she said. So having that person who's taking notes is almost a witness uh, is helpful and just in generally, but I also, and this, I hate having to discuss this, but it, it's the reality of uh, if you're a male and you're dealing with a female employee behind closed doors there have been situations where somebody has been vindictive and you've uh, fired somebody and then oop, you as the owner of the practice are being accused of 
you know, something that's inappropriate, uh, which is why always mm-hmm. having that third person there or in the absence of a third person, uh, just because I'm in my fifties and I'm a guy and I'm a tall guy. And I just, I know that effect it can have is it's open door. Mm-hmm. It's really an open door. So I don't want anybody to come back afterwards who's been disgruntled and play this card. It's so rare and I can't imagine that it's never happened. But boy, what a horrible position to be in if it did happen. So it's just, I think just, just little, let's just be practical about things. Yeah. Uh, The fourth reason why we don't fire bad employees is we hope the employee's performance will improve. So, I mean, obviously, if you have done all you can and you've had countless meetings over weeks or months or years with this person, and, you know, maybe there's other factors, they're a nice person and there's other factors in their personal life that make you feel bad about it there's a point where you're like okay well this this really isn't going to get any better you know hope is not a strategy (laughs) i'm sure we've said that before but hoping that their performance will improve i mean it Mm -hmm. hasn't assuming you've given them chances and you've tried to put together performance improvement programs with them and you've had all these discussions it's just not going to happen so you know something to think about for sure absolutely Uh, Another interesting uh, reason is that, and we sort of talked about this, is often practice owner will feel guilty for not offering better support. So, you know, I can think of practices that we've come into work with where there hasn't necessarily been performance management for any number of reasons, Uh, you know, whether the owner hasn't had time or they don't know how or they've been avoiding it. And it comes to the point where you're like, okay, well, this person needs to go. And then the owner says, oh, I feel bad because we haven't actually given them support. And I'm not sure we've given them enough of a chance. So, you know, this is, I think, more of a cautionary tale of for and a poster child for going through that coaching performance coaching process. And, you know, having discussions with employees more than once a year in a, a one way performance review, but having ongoing conversations with them for sure. This to me reminds me, it just goes back again in terms of it just also comes back to poor hiring standards. Yeah. I've hated being in the position going into companies and working with them. And then also I'm, I'm the big baddie that has to help terminate somebody. They should never have been hired in the first place. Or why did you persist with them in this role? You, they are so ill suited for this role. They can be in a receptionist mm-hmm. and they're the like the biggest wallflower meek mouse in the world. Yeah. You didn't do them any favors by having them in this position. Mm-hmm. And it's so not fair to them. And those are the p- places where I, I, I get frustrated because I, I really feel bad for the employee. It comes down to like, we need a body, hire somebody. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. And then in a couple of months, you're like, oh my God, they're terrible, but we need a body. So. And then probationary period rolls over and then you're like, well, now what do I do? What yeah, do I do? Exactly. So yeah, that's definitely a, a great advertisement for more discerning hiring practices. Uh, so just quickly before we go on to your article, uh, they also go into here in this Inc. article, five reasons to fire an employee now. So this is sort of the consequences of holding on to an employee that needs to go. So one is your finances are suffering. So an underperforming employee, it costs you money. At best, they have a, a negligible impact on the bottom line. At worst, they have a negative impact on the bottom line. We might not think about, uh, I don't know, like an animal care attendant or uh, somebody like that having a direct effect on the bottom line, but they do. I mean, and there's a ripple effect. 
uh, they, they could be slow, they're causing inefficiency, you having to hire more people because this person isn't efficient, it's expensive. So that's something to think about for sure, thinking sort of beyond just that person and, and how they're affecting the whole business. Uh, second reason to fire an employee now, it's harming your company culture. I mean, duh. if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, every podcast we talk about culture and we talk about having the right people on the bus, having somebody who is on staff, they're not carrying their weight, they're not necessarily having any consequences for not carrying their weight. I mean, how does that look to the rest of the staff? And it can bring a staff down. It's that culture where it, it spreads out from the epicenter and people start to get disillusioned, people start to get uh, upset uh, and disengaged. And, you know, going down that road is, is really expensive and it's, it's not great for the people who are there and are on the bus and, and uh, want to do the right thing. Uh, this third one is interesting. So you may not realize it, but the stress is damaging your performance as well. So you as the manager, you as the practice owner, you could get bogged down and having to deal with issues with this person. You know, I'm thinking about when I worked at the practice and you spend like 95% of your time talking about the 5% of your people who are the problem people. And it really weighs on you because you want to do good things for the other people. You want to do wonderful things and help support the people who uh, understand your culture and are living your values and that want to progress, but you just don't have the time to spend on them. It can damage your performance. I mean, you don't have as much time to do the good stuff. Uh, It's emotionally really, really drags you down, makes you tired, makes you not want to come to work. So uh, it's definitely something to think about it. Have you found this? This really speaks to me because you keep on thinking, boy, if I wasn't spending so much time having the same conversations about the same person, what other things of value could I be doing for my business? Mm-hmm. And that's one of those times you're like, yeah, it, we just have to do this. This is not really a factor anymore. I think we've gotten a little bit better at A, at hiring, B, having the coaching. Mm-hmm. But oh, I think this, it just sucks the joy out of your life. And uh, yeah, it has an impact. I and mean, these are these are complex things you're dealing with other people. But I just think going back to as as a leader or a manager of a company, I mean, your f- energy should be focused on driving it forward. And if you're spending so much time on the parts that are pulling you back, that's really not a good use of your time. Totally, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, so number four, obviously, your customers notice and may leave because of it. You may have goodwill with clients. And, you know, they've been accustomed to getting a certain level of service or there are other things they like about your practice. But, you know, all it can take is one person who drops the ball or, um, you know, somebody who uh, isn't as excited about customer service, for example, or isn't great at follow ups uh, with clients about their pets or something like that. People are can only be loyal for so long. And then they say, well, I'm not getting what I need out of this uh, professional relationship anymore, and I need Mm -hmm. to move on. So obviously, it's costly. uh, And um, the clients will see that eventually, you know, if they, uh, they are always getting consistently bad service, there's only so long they'll put up with that. And absolutely, I mean, I'm the same way as a consumer, there's only so much that you can put up with. Absolutely. Uh, and then the fifth reason here, uh, holding on is unfair to everyone, even the soon to be fired employee. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier. You know, you may feel sorry for them. They may be a nice person, but at the end of the day, 
perhaps if they found a, a different position, a different job that suited sort of where they are in life and their abilities and, and their aspirations better, they're going to be happier. So as, as crappy as it is to be fired and as crappy as it is to have to deal with that, and as cheesy as this sounds, sometimes it's for the best. And I think, you know, remembering that uh, is definitely important as well. You know, these are five great points. And I think if I look back on, I remember once, this is about 12 years ago, I sort of had a transition period where I used to loathe, I mean, I still don't like letting somebody go, but often it's for the best of the company or best for the person. But I sort of had this epiphany and I was just thinking, I remember this one situation in particular and um, our vets were and our staff were just just going all out just to building up one of the practices and are we're trying so hard they're doing such amazing work and i just remember thinking like all the hard work they're doing and this person is bringing them down and it's not fair to the other people in our organization that they're trying so hard and the efforts of this one person are are marring that. So when I sort of had that mindset that it's, you think of the bigger group and I'm not going to let this one individual spoil everything else that everybody else is doing. Since then, it makes it a lot easier to go into a situation where we, you know, we have to end somebody's employment. So I, I found an interesting article. That's sort of like my little segue into this article is an HBR article of firing with compassion. I think we, we've had these coaching or we've had these discussions and we get to the stage where the next step is, all right, we, we finally have to let them go. And I think, you know, it's a bit of a skill that, you know, he, he quotes in the article and I think it's, it's true is the best leaders are just as good at removing people from jobs for which they're unsuited for as they are as putting great people into the right position. You know, it, it's not possible to be error free in hiring as much as we'd like it to be. So sometimes we just, we just got to let the, some person go. And unfortunately there's no standard script. Um, there's not really like, here's the three point uh, script, but I think these are some really good points that we should talk about to really help. And I think the number one is don't surprise people. You know, if you've been doing the coaching and having the discussions, I think you're getting to a stage when you finally sit down with a person and go, this is it. You, uh, we're letting you go. They shouldn't be surprised. No, not going to be happy. They're not going to be, you know, not doing cartwheels, but it's not like you're coming out of left field and saying, oh, by the way, your, your, your job performance has been really poor lately. We're letting you go. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody, I think. And I think if you're at that point, you really have not done a good job as a manager uh, of trying to help this person. Because other than, you know, when you, we started the conversation, other than these overt things like stealing, lying, you know, drinking on the job or something, uh, a few dismissals happen over a single event. And the other thing is, too, is and I think this is a, a really good thing to, to understand is usually your staff, they're friends with each other. If you go in and, and you surprise somebody and, and end their job in a really ugly way, the word's going to get around to everybody else. And so, yeah, I think you have to have some dignity and compassion and that will be spread to everybody else. You know, they also talks about preparing and practice. And I think having some mental thoughts, your notes in your mind of how this is going to happen, why you're doing it. Uh, and I think really for me to sort of like this internal mantra to maintain my conviction to go forward is this person is either in the wrong place, you're, it's going to be beneficial to them. 
but it's going to be more beneficial to the company. And I think that's sort of the mantra that goes with me. And the other one is, I think, is really explaining the message immediately and clearly. You sit down for a person, don't draw it out. First 30 seconds, you tell them what's what's happening. And along with that is, you know, don't over-explain the decision. It's not a, it's not a negotiation. You've made the decision. And just say, we're letting you go. Uh, we've been working at uh, the, this, this area where you have been struggling. We haven't seen the improvement we need. And so um, we're at this stage. 30 seconds, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't mention this in this article, but I think one of the worst things we can do at a manager is to start saying, I feel terrible about this. No, the other person, I guarantee you, feels a lot more terrible about it. So trying to make you a more sympathetic character will never work. You're just going to come across as a jerk. So, you know, so I think not surprising them, you know, being prepared, don't overexplain it. Uh, And again, do it with compassion. Mm -hmm. Give them a good severance. Do what's right for the person because it's going to spread to other people. And so, you know, whether you're in the States or you're in in a state that really has, you know, it's pretty easy to let go of somebody, whether you're a bit more restrictive as we are in Canada or or even a little bit more restrictive in Europe, I always recommend going above and beyond. Like, so let's say, you Mm -hmm. know, the laws say, uh, like they are in Canada, I think it's two weeks for every year of employment, do three weeks, do four weeks. A, it really does minimize your legal exposure if they decide to contest it. If you can show that you did more than what was expected, but B, it sends a really good signal to your other people, the other people that work with you, that you did the right thing Mm -hmm. and that you didn't uh, get rid of this person in a very petty, cheap way. So, Yeah. And I think just as my usual addendum that I talk about when we talk about this type of subject is no matter what you do, make sure you're documenting absolutely everything with dates and times and who was there and all that stuff. Because if you have to try and dig that up when it comes to a legal proceeding, it's painful. So just do it. And this gets back into having that third person to take these notes. Absolutely. Really does help. So yeah, that's the sort of a overview of, you know, that uh, ending of employment process. I hate saying the word termination. It's really, I'm trying to think of a better phrase for it. but Passage passage moving on making him available to industry exactly (laughs) so this is the episode where we talk about some performance hacks what makes us more effective what do you have this week katie so i have uh something called blinkist so it is an app and what blinkist does is takes uh, a whole bunch of books uh generally business books wouldn't work so well with fiction Uh, But it breaks them down into sort of the nitty gritty. So it takes, it basically gives you summaries and you can either read the summaries or have them read to you. You know, you can get the the meat of say like a a self-development book or a business book or something like that. And I wouldn't say that this would replace reading the entire book, but it could give you an idea of, okay, do I actually want to purchase this book or do I want to put the time into listen to this entire book? Um, but it's really handy. And they actually branched out into having their own native podcasts that they come up with as well on different subjects. So it's definitely something interesting to check out. Uh, it is a subscription service, uh, but there are various ways that you can sort of go about signing up to make it less than their general list price. So Blinkist is, again, is the app. I think it's 
it's really interesting. I mean, I use it, I hear about a book and I go to Blinkist and uh, sort of read over what they've got as far as a summary goes. And then from there, I might um, take it out from the library or consider buying it myself. So something to check out. Yeah, I do something similar to that. I I've heard of Blinkist and never tried it. I think I will now. Is just listening to podcasts if you have the time for that. If you're just driving around, whatever, because they're often most podcasts are just you know starving for content, so they have book authors, and so often within the podcast you can hear everything you need to know about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I do that a lot. And hearing the author talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You get a great example there. My hack is simply having the courage to say no. And I think we are people pleasers and uh, we, we want to accommodate and I am as guilty as anyone of biting off more than I can chew. Since I've been a lot more able to say no, it has actually freed me up to do things that I think are more important to me. So more, most recently, you know, if there's anybody from Ontario uh, and in the horse world, shameless plug, I've nominated for being on the board of directors of Ontario Equestrian, which is the local provincial association for manning the equestrian world. And I really wanted to do that. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I think I've got some ideas I'd like to share and I just always like to build. I'm, I think I'm a very good builder of things, but I had to say no to some other things. And I find I've gotten much better at it. And over the last year, I think I've gotten really good at it. You know, I always look at it, I should have three big projects on the go or three things on the go that are my focus. And if I have those three things, which I guess is a hack in its own of not getting too distracted by a million things, if every day or every week, if I'm not focused on one of the three things, I shouldn't be doing it. But when people come to you and say, would you want to do this? Do you want to get involved in that? You know, it's to be really you know what, I, I could be like a crow and like to try new shiny things all the time is just to say no mm-hmm. and just focus what's in front of you. It's it's one of the hardest things I've learned, but it's been one of the most satisfying things I've, I've been able to do for myself and for the people that I work with. I like it. Yeah. It's not just about you. It's, it's about the other people that are impacted by your decisions for sure. Exactly. So, all right. Well, we will talk in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think next week will be, or the next episode will be our 25th. Is that our silver anniversary? Oh, uh, 25th maybe. episode? Yeah. So. We'll have to look it up. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll get you something nice, don't worry. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Katie. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. Special thanks to Alyssa Rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for Oculus. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.